The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. Uh, so last week we began a four-part series on stewardship, and as uh, Dale mentioned, it was from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, and it's called the parable of the talents. And in that, you have a master who goes on a long trip, he's very rich, and he leaves uh, a large amount of resources with three uh, servants, three stewards, and uh, he expects them to give a return on the investment that he leaves with him. And we talked about how the, the really big picture principle that that is laying down for us is that God has given all of us, he's invested heavily in all of us to some capacity, and he expects us as believers to be able to re- give a return on his best investment whenever he returns again. And that's what stewardship is. Stewardship is uh, managing uh, what God has given me, knowing that it's not my own and that he's given it to me to manage for his glory. And so what we're gonna do this week and then two weeks after this is we're gonna be talking about what exactly does that look like? Just a little bit more uh, practical level, what does it mean to be a steward in my life? What does that look like? And this week we're talking about time. This is gonna be a lot of fun, right? We're gonna talk about time. And so the the beginning question I wanna ask this morning is how do you view your time? How do you view your time? How do you determine, and I'm asking this question myself this morning as well, how do I determine, how do you determine where our time gets spent? Our passage this morning is telling us that we should be watching carefully how we spend our time to see that it's accomplishing the purpose for which God gives it to us for So here's the big picture question I want us to think about this morning as we're going through this passage, as we're looking at this. I want us to ask, am I skillfully using time as a tool to push back darkness? Am I skillfully using my time as a tool in order to push back darkness? Darkness, And we're going to cover three issues with our view of time that this passage touches on. We're going to look about the nature of time, the problems with time, and the skill of time. The nature of time, the problem with time, and the skill of time. You ready? You ready? All right, there you go. Very good. Uh, First of all, uh, as we're looking in Ephesians, we see that Ephesians is six chapters long, and the first half of the the book, uh, chapters one through three, is really kind of one kind of big picture idea where Paul is laying out this grand scheme that God has had in creation from the very beginning. And that he would create creation, he would create you and I, and that we would end up falling and needing a savior, and that he would send a savior to us, to us, the walking dead, and he would give us life. And in chapters four through six, the last half of the book, he lays out practically what does that look like. All right, so he kind of does this. So if Christ has done all this for you, 
then let us live like that's actually true to himself. If so, let us act like it. If you have been predestined, which Ephesians says that you were, then let us act like it. If you've been made alive, if you were once were dead and your trespasses and sin, Father, and you've been made an heir of the Father, then let's act like heirs of the Father. Like that's who you are. Let us live and to act like that. Let's walk as if that is true. And we see that in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17. If you want to look there real quick, the chapter before Ephesians is toward the end of the new, kind of towards the end of the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles under your chairs. You're free to use that. Take it with you if you like. Now, Paul says, now this I say in the light of like, so, so think about this, in the light of all that God has done for us, he's called us, he's justified us, he has predestined us, he has breathed his life into us, he's made us heirs, if that's true, now I say and testify in the Lord, that's Paul's, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, or that, those, those who are unbelievers, in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. What he's saying is that if you have been called, let's not act like we haven't been because before you become a believer in Christ, before the Spirit breathes upon your soul, you are futile or darkened in your understanding. What that means is by nature, you and I don't view life the way God has called us to view life. By nature, we don't view our time the way that God has called us to view our time. We don't view, you, view our money. We don't view our relationships by nature the way that we are called by God to view them. We need to put off that former way of thinking and put on the new man that God has called us to be. If we have been saved, awakened, made sons and daughters of God, then we can no longer live like our old selves. It doesn't fit us anymore. Uh, whenever I started, uh, I'm still learning preaching. We're kind of a baby church, and I'm still learning this whole thing. And uh, I'm pretty raw right now, but I was really raw when we started out. And we had a, a weekly meeting uh, called Sermon Review, and I hated it. So that's where we would get together, and some guys would be in the room, and they would tell me all the things that I did wrong that week, and then say a couple of nice things to make me feel a little bit better, either at the beginning or at the end. And, and, and I remember one, one week, I had said something uh, crass, uh, in trying to be humorous. And uh, I, I remember the guys looked at me and said, Randy, this does not fit who you are anymore. This is not the way that you should be as a preacher. That's not who you are anymore. And you and I as believers, it doesn't fit us anymore to view time as our own. We are stewards of the time that God has given us. If we've been born again, let us live and act like it. So let's look at Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. Look carefully, Paul says, how you walk. When Paul says walk, uh, he's talking about the way that you live your life. Look carefully then how you walk or how you live your life, not as unwise, so you hear this whole theme going on, not as you once did, but as wise. How? Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. If we've been born again, then we're going to have to view our time, the way that we view our time differently. We have to put off our old self and our old way of thinking. 
Now, 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 why would he have to tell us at the beginning of this verse, verse 15, look carefully how you walk or look carefully how you live your life? He's saying, look carefully how you spend your time. Why would he have to tell us that? And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about what are the normal thoughts that I have in my head and sometimes out loud about time? Quite honestly, probably the biggest thought that runs through my head regards of time is how long is this going to take? Now, sometimes that is sometimes as simple as like, I've got to sit down and I've got to pay my bills and I'm wondering how long is this going to take? Or I'm trying to schedule a meeting with somebody and I'm trying to allot for enough time and I'm asking how long is this going to take? But oftentimes it really has to do more like my son comes up to me and he's trying to tell me a story and bless his heart. He is, he is a slow talker. It takes him a while to work it up and get there. And I'll just be honest with you. This is total honesty right here, right? This is not right answer. This is real answer. I'm thinking, son, how long is this going to take? Where is this going? Or, or my wife, bless her soul, she puts up with a lot with me. She calls me on the phone, or we've been through this many times. With, there's blood, sweat, and tears on this issue. That she calls me on the phone. Or, and, and what I'm really wondering is, I might be saying, uh-huh, but what I'm really wondering deep inside my soul, if I'm honest, is how long is this going to take? And is there a point to this phone call that you are giving me. That's what the thoughts that I'm having. That's a sinful thought, but I'm asking, I'm, I'm wondering that. I'm wondering as people are engaging me, I'm wondering how long is this actually going to take? Or I might be at thinking this question, how am I gonna get the time to do this, right? I get an email at work or I get a phone call or something happens, something comes up and I realize, oh man, I forgot to do that and I'm, what I'm wondering is, oh man, how am I going to get the time to do this? It's something that needs to be done. It's something that's important. It's something that should be a priority. It's something that is urgent. But how am I going to get the time to do all the things that I have to do today? How am I going to get the time to do it? Or I'm asking this question, oftentimes at Walmart, I'm asking the question, why am I having to wait so long? Why am I having to wait so long? I feel like I'm less of a Christian in Walmart, and that's why I try not to go there. Nothing wrong, Walmart guys. If you work there or you own stock, that is great, but I'm oftentimes, I find myself asking the question, why am I having to wait so long? Or I'm at home and I'm thinking, if I get the kids, okay, this is honest time, right? If I get the kids to bed, if I get the kids to bed, then I can have time for some Netflix before I go to sleep. If I get a kiss to bed, then I can have some time for Netflix before I go to sleep. Or the next morning I'm thinking, why did I stay up so late and watching Netflix last night? These are the questions that I have or the thoughts that I have about time and my agenda. But because of all that Christ has done for me, that doesn't fit who I am anymore. Just as those crass, that crass humor doesn't fit who I am anymore. That's not what God has called me to be. And so in order to do that, Paul tells me, and he tells you to look carefully at how you walk. He uses that term walk to describe how we live our lives. And he says that I need to watch carefully how I use my time and how I view my time. Some older versions, if you're a King James person here, like rock on, you're awesome, you're an all-star. But it says to, to live or watch circumspectly your life. And the picture there is circum meaning circle, speckly meaning 
Speckly and living. And it says, it says, so, it says so, so, so look at your life, watch your life, pay attention to your life from all angles, like a circle looking at your life to see how are you spending your time and how do you view your time? Because of all that Christ has done for me, then I should be watching, I should be inspecting how I view my time and how I actually use that time. Why? Because here's the truth. Time is a resource that every single one of us in this room are given. He's given it to all of us. And unlike other resources, like my singing ability that the band you know, has always me to use, like my singing ability, I'm not using that, but I'm always using time. I may not be using my money. It may be stored away somewhere, what little of it there is, but I'm always using time. It's always pouring. It's always being used. I'm using it one way or the other. And I'm making a decision at every moment, every day, how am I using that time? These are truths about time that we all know, but we all tend to forget. That number one, that time is limited. The Bible tells us this in Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Time is limited. And so when the psalmist is praying to the Lord for wisdom, he's praying, God, I need to have wisdom, so I need you to teach me to number my days, to remember that I have a limited amount of time. I have a, a limited number of days. Uh, I had a, a client when uh, Sophia was born, and he gave me a little bit of, he's not a believer, but he gave me the, a little bit of advice that was really really kind of profound and very helpful to me. He said, enjoy Sophia when she's a baby because she'll be a baby for a short period of time, but she'll be a little girl for longer. It goes so fast. But what we tend to do is we tend to be, get so caught up in just the, the blur and the, the weight that is on us in, in that babyhood, right? That you're just like, I can't wait till she sleeps through the night. I, I can't wait till she can walk. I can't wait till she can't sit in a car chair anymore. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at my daughter who turns 11-year-old tomorrow, and I'm thinking, man, it happened fast. There's a limited amount of time. And, and the psalmist says the big, part of the beginning of wisdom is to know, be taught by the Lord to number my days and to know that they are limited. Here's another truth about time that we tend to forget, but we all really instinctively know, and that's that time is fleeting. Psalm 39, verses four through five, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am Behold, you've made me a, my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Some days we're in the middle of a day, we're in the middle of a week. It seems so long, right? But time is fleeting. It passes quickly. It's limited and it's fleeting. And here's another truth. Time passes and it doesn't stop. You can stop spending money, or you can try. You can stop singing in the band. That's very easy for me. I don't really have a talent singing, by the way. But you can't stop using time. It passes, you spend it, and you can't put an end to it. James 4, 14. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time 
and then vanishes. It's like when you're out and it's cold enough and you breathe and you see that vapor and then all of a sudden it's gone. Or on a hot summer day, you open the freezer door and the vapor comes out and then it's gone. That's what life is like. It passes quickly and it doesn't stop. There's no way you can stop that vapor. No way you can stop that, that vapor or freeze that vapor and make it continue to exist. It passes and then it's gone. And then here's the last truth about time. It isn't ours. First Corinthians 6.20, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God and your body. Time is a limited resource that we're all given and we're all accountable as to how we use it. And if that's true, then it makes sense that, that we should, to live wisely, to live accountable to the Lord, that we should watch carefully how we use the time that we're given by our master. But here's the problem with time. So if I know, like, okay, it's fleeting and it's limited and it passes and I can't stop it and it doesn't belong to me, it's given to me by the Lord, I'm a steward of time that he has given me. If that's true, then what do our lives look like in terms of how we view time? Do our lives, he says here, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Do, do our lives, does my life, Look like the life of a person who uses time wisely or unwisely. Does your time look like a person who uses time wisely or unwisely? To, to use something wisely, to use something with wisdom, means to use something skillfully for the intended purpose. It, it means it's a picture of, of not my son who's learning to play guitar, uh, playing guitar, but like Jamin playing guitar skillfully and practice. He's been, uh, hopefully Landon one day will be there. At this point he is not, but one day he will. He will learn to use the guitar skillfully. Praise Lord, please help him learn how to use that thing skillfully. But when I look at my life, my biggest issues with time are, are three things that come to mind. I don't know where they are for you. I'm just gonna share with me and you can see if you identify with it or if maybe as I'm talking, you have your own thing. The first thing I thought about was, man, I have a lot of wasted time. Now, I have a lot of responsibilities. Uh, I, have a lot of, I have a lot of irons in the fire at any given time. But even in the midst of all that, I still have a lot of wasted time. Because here's the truth. Wasted time does not mean time that's necessarily spent not being busy. It means time that you, that you take and you throw it into the trash can for something that is of no lasting eternal value. That's what wasted time is. Now, my time at work is not wasted time because I have to provide for my family, or am I working towards the end of trying to make the business larger, or to, to maintain a, a, good, a good reputation with people, or, or trying to buoy my sense of self-confidence and self-worth? That's wasted time. Or it could also be, and this is slightly different than wasted time, wrongly spent time. It, you know what I mean? It's not time that's necessarily wasted, it's time that's just wrongly spent. That could be doing the right thing, but doing it at the wrong time. It's not wasted, but it's, I'm having to do it at that time because I didn't do it earlier. 
right? Uh, there's a response that I, sh- I should have worked on my sermon or I should have done something some that has to do with my job or, or a, a chore around the house and I didn't do it at the time where it was optimal and so therefore I have to do it later but it ends up stealing time away from the kids or with Megan that I should be with them. Optimal time for them. Not wasted time but wrongly spent time. And also this, I think all of us can relate to this to some extent, is just sheer busyness. Sheer busyness. I've tried to stop, and man, I'm trying to be uh, cognizant of when I say this, and I say it so often and so quickly that I can't even stop myself. And that's when somebody says, how are you doing? You know, how are you? I'm going to be honest, busy. Or how are things going? Busy, but good. I'm trying to be honest, and things are busy, but everybody's busy. But we let busyness engulf our lives. Those are the biggest issues that I see. And and, and when I live my life that way, if you live your life that way, with wasted time, wrongly spent time, or busyness, that causes me to view my time in a different way. So I can view my time busily. You know what that means? I view my time busily whenever I'm so overly busy that something else is controlling my now. I'm so overly busy that something else is determining the agenda of my life and what I'm working towards. I've made commitments, I've overly committed myself where I'm trying to do everything for everybody around me and therefore I'm actually not doing anything. Or I'm so busy that I'm not actually doing what the Lord has called me to do. I'm so busy with my work and so busy with my job that I'm actually neglecting my wife and neglecting my kids. Or I'm so busy with whatever extracurricular activities that I have or my family has that actually I can't be involved in church or I'm not able to to be available for the people who are around me when they need me. Or I can view my time lazily. And that can happen on two ends of the spectrum. I can view my time lazily by being so busy that I don't actually have time to think about where am I putting my time. Does that make sense? I'm so busy doing everything that I'm not actually thinking about, should I be doing all this everything? But I stay busy so I won't have to think about it. But stay busy so I use my time. Readdress my priorities and not be so selfish in the way I put, way I use my time. Or it could just be, man, I'm just pure, like, old-fashioned lazy, right? Like, I'm not newfangled, like, busy lazy. I'm just old-fashioned lazy. I don't want to do that. I'm not even going to pretend that I'm busy, but I'm lazy and I don't want to do it. When I see needs around me, I'm not going to uh, respond to them because I just don't want to do it. When I know I'm supposed to provide for my family, I'm supposed to work hard, i just not going to do it. When I have wasted time, wrongly spent time in busyness, I tend to view my time regretfully. You have that feeling? Like at the end of the day, you look back, you're like, man, I regret how I spent that time. And that's a small thing, right? We have a number of days. But then you get to the end of a week and you look back and say, man, I really regret how I spent those days. Then you get to the end of a life and you say, man, I really regret how I spent my years. I can think of few things sadder than to someone who has reached toward the end of their life. And I see this a lot with men who regret the way that they spent their time over the years. 
or I can view my life, self, my time selfishly. This is tough for me because as I said before, if you were to come to me and say, <laughs> either give me $100 or give me your Saturday, I'm pulling out my, like you take Venmo or check or what do I need to do? I need to go to the ATM. You can ha- take the cash. I don't wanna give you my time because my time is mine. I can, I can give you some money, but I don't wanna give you my time because I have my agenda or I have my goal for that day. And all of this is caused by a root of sin. All of these wrong views about time are, are caused by a, either a fear and anxiety that's caused by a lack of trust in God. I really don't trust that God has given me the sufficient time to do what he's called me to do or that he's not gonna care for me so sufficiently so therefore I fill my life with work, I fill my life trying to get ahead because I'm afraid if I do not do that, he's not gonna provide for me. So therefore I'm gonna use my time to try to provide for myself. Fear and anxiety that's caused by a lack of trust in the Lord or selfishness and pride that's caused by a lack of submission to the Lord. Because honestly, I view my time as my time and I'll give him some, like I give him some of my money, but it's not all his. And that's a lack of submission to God and that, will, that brings, breeds selfishness and pride. And this sin, this lack of trust in God or lack of submission to God, that needs our repentance. It needs forgiveness. But here's the cool thing. It is that repentance and is that forgiveness that's the key for a renewed attitude about how I live my life and how I view my time. If I see how I have all that I owe God and all that he rightfully requires of me in regards to time and the whole rest of my life, and I see my sinfulness and how I have selfishly not trusted him, I have selfishly uh, not submitted to him, but yet I see his grace and goodness to me through Christ, through the cross, on my behalf, and I bow my knee to that, all of a sudden I have a renewed sense of thankfulness and gratefulness and a renewed sense of love and a renewed zeal that actually can enable me to view my time differently. This isn't a sermon saying, hey, I want you guys to be better at time. Now go home and do better with your calendars and your checklists. This is a sermon that's about what is at the heart of my issues that cause me to view time wrongly. And God, would you grant me repentance from those, faith in you, and thereby give me a renewed heart of gratitude and love and zeal for you that leads to a different use of my time. If you've been forgiven much, if you've been forgiven much and you realize it, then you will act like it. If, then. And if you get there, then you're ready to begin to learn the skill of time. The skill of time. Look at what Paul says next. He says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So Paul says that we should 
view and use our time wisely or skillfully. And then he says how we do that. He says to do that by making the best use of the time. Uh, now that wording there in the original language that you may or may not get out of this, uh, the way it's phrased in the English is it's, it's an economic word. It, it really means when it says make the best use of, he's saying to redeem it or to buy up. So, so make the best use of, redeem, or buy up all the time that you can get. And what he's saying is that we should gain and use every bit of time that we possibly can. We should view our lives carefully, how we walk, how we view our time, how we use our time, in order so that we use and view our time in a way that we are able to buy up or redeem or use all of it that we possibly can for. And this is really cool, I think. Why? Because the days are evil. Why should we use every bit of time? Obviously, we, it's limited and we're, uh, it's fleeting and it's, we're always uh, spending it and we're accountable to God for it. Those are all great and good reasons, but he's saying that we should do that because the way that we use our time actually has some sort of interaction with the days being evil. Now, we can all agree, right? Like the, the day, like whether you're a Christian or not here this morning, that like the days are evil. Like, like it's awesome that you have that cool like phone in your pocket and it's like, it's like a magic that you can like go online, you can do all kinds of crazy things with it. But overall, like the days are evil. Uh, the world is not a kind, nice place. It's a harsh, hard place. People are not always nice and kind. Sometimes they are very different than that. There is disease, there is uh, affliction, there is suffering, there's a great amount of fear and anxiety that surrounds us. The days are evil. That's what that means. And what he says here, this is really cool, that no matter how rich you are or how poor you are, no matter uh, how talented you are or how talented you don't think that you are, no matter whether you're a five talent, two talent, or one talent person, here's what each of us have. We have time. Our days last, right? We've seen people pass away early and we've seen people live long lives. We've seen people pass away early who eat like Justin Kramer and we see people who live long lives that eat like me. It, 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 we don't really understand how it all works together. We have a limited amount of time, but we have time. And what Paul is telling us is the way that you use your days, the way that you use your moments, the way that you use and view time gives you the ability to push back darkness around you. He's saying he's, God has given you and I time and he means it to be a tool in our hand that we learn how to skillfully use in order to push back the darkness around us. Wisdom to be wise in our use of time is to use it well in order to either combat darkness or to contrast with the darkness around us. It, here's the truth. The darkness around you, the evil around you, the darkness around you and me, the evil will either eat into your time or your time will eat into the evil. But one of those two will happen. Either the evil will eat into your time and you'll look back regretfully on how you've used your time 
or you can use your time skillfully, wisely, in order to push back the darkness around us. So, so how do we do that, right? You're like, okay, you convinced me. Uh, I, I know like I, you know, I don't use time well, all this in here to some extent, we don't use our time well. What, what, is that, what does that look like? What does it look like to push back darkness by the way that I use my time? First of all, I would say, focus on your callings. Focus on your calling. So here's what your callings are. And you're like, hey, man, I'm not like a preacher man, and neither am I. Like you say, I'm not a preacher man, That's, I'm not called, but each of us as believers, we are all called. First of all, you're called to Christ. He's called you to himself. But the other way you can see what are your callings in life is to see what are your responsibilities that he's placed in your life around you. So if you're married, one of your primary calling behind Serving the Lord, loving him and worshiping him is to love and to serve your spouse. That's your calling. If you're a parent, then you have a calling to be a parent to those kids. God has divinely placed those kids. You might not have trusted yourself with kids, but God trusted you with kids for some reason. And he has divinely called you to have a responsibility to them. If you work for somebody, this person may be unjust. It may be a dead-end job. They may not be paying what you should be paid. That person sitting beside you may absolutely grate you to the last, to the last nerve. It may be everything that you hate about life is going to that place of work every single day. But if you are working for that employer, you have a calling to work for that employer. And you have a calling to the employees that are around you and the customers and clients that you encounter. And you have a, a calling to provide for your family by being there. You have a calling. You have friends in your life. You have a calling and a responsibility to them to love them and to care for them well as a friend. Each of us have callings on our lives. And those callings should determine where we put our time and attention. And here's the thing. Each of us are tempted in some way not to put the time and attention to the callings that God has given us. I, I, I've struggled with this, honestly. Um, Megan could have come up and testify to this in terms of our marriage, in terms of uh, my home. I was convicted about, I don't know, year and a half, two years ago, I became aware, like, my time spent at home, whenever I would get at home, I was tired, case may be. And my focus would be all focused on, let's just get the kids to, to bed. But I was ignoring my calling as a dad to be present with them. Not just to be present with them physically, but to be present with them emotionally and mentally, to be engaged with them. It was a task on my list to get done, but I wasn't giving it the time and tension that God had called me to do. Where should your time go? What callings does God have on your life? That's how you first determine it. 
And so what that means is, secondly, we need to be proactive about our priorities. And so the way it works like this, you guys know the story, right? Of, of like the, you have a, a couple of big rocks and you have a lot of little pebbles and you got a vase and you got, what you have to do is you have to start with the big, the big rocks, get those in there, and then you can fill it in with the little pebbles around it. But so often we choose what we do like a kid who eats dessert first. Like, I really wanna do this, so I'm gonna do this. And we find out that the big rocks the should be priorities in our life, get overlooked and get, over, get ignored. And the way that we skillfully use our time to push back darkness is to be proactive about our priorities. And that pushes back darkness in a couple of ways. Number one is it just contrasts a right, proper, wise, godly priorities with those who don't have it. When your friends who you used to run with and golf with are all still spending just as much time at the golf course as, uh, as they did before kids, but you are putting priorities in a different place, it contrasts what a father should look like in a society that rarely sees it. When you put attention as a mother to your husband and to your kids as God has called you to and give it the time and attention necessary, it contrasts with those around us. But then actively, as I'm doing that, as I'm loving my wife and giving my wife and my kids the attention that they deserve, man, it pushes back darkness in their lives and in our household. It spreads light into our community as you have a well-adjusted, hopefully, prayerfully, wife and children who have the love of a husband and a father and the time and attention from the love of the father that they need and that I've been called to give them. Little things like that contrasts and fights darkness and pushes it back. We need to be proactive about those. I've often been, to my, to my shame, been reactive to my responsibilities or to my priorities, to frustration of the people around me. But when we're proactive about taking uh, proactive steps to do what God has called me to do with the people that he has called me to do it, man, it's a beautiful thing. And when I can do that, then that allows me a beauty to, if I, if I set these big rocks in place, give the priorities the attention that they need, then that allows me to make margin in my life in order to be reactive to the things that I can't plan for, right? So, so here's what a healthy life does not look like. It does not look like so consumed with your wife and children and your own little household things that you never actually serve and help anybody around you. It means that I proactively build into my life enough margin, enough elbow room, so that when needs arise, that I actually can hear those needs and I can actually can respond to those needs. That I, sometimes I've been so busy that I, didn't, I wasn't even aware of the needs around me, much less just saying no to them. But so many of us, our lives are so busy that we do not have the space or the margin to actually react when somebody around us says, man, I'm struggling today that you don't actually have the time to sit and talk with them and pray for them. You're just like, yeah, I'll pray for you and you move on. You're so busy. Some of you are so busy. My question is, are you even, even able to hear? the? It means ordering our priorities in such a way that busyness doesn't consume our lives. Here's another way that you can use your time to push back darkness Build routines that make use of time over time. Build routines that make use of time 
over time. So here's what I mean by that. Uh, it will seem like tomorrow, if you've never had a devotional life, if you stop and spend 15, 20, 30 minutes in the word and in prayer, it will seem like a waste of time because there's lots of things that need to be done that will be calling at your, for your attention. And it will seem when you finish that time that it accomplished nothing. But over time, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, August, September, October, 2018, 2019, 2020, over time, building in those routines to make use of your time, you'll begin to see a return on that investment, a return that glorifies God and brings you greater joy. We should focus on our callings, be proactive about our priorities, make margin time to be reactive to needs, build routines that make use of time, over time, and then we should view our time as a sacrament. I think this is beautiful. Ecclesiastes 3.11, he's made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. He has put eternity into man's heart. Part of what this picture is, is this picture is like, if you're a believer, this moment that you're living in right now is where eternity meets time for you. And how you use this moment, God can use to glorify himself and to bring you and the people around you joy. I think there's nothing, some of you guys are very beautiful, good looking people, but I think there's nothing more beautiful than a life that's well lived. A face that's well wrinkled and worn with time. It has scratches and scars. But has used their time and their days and their weeks and their months and their years well. Skillfully learning how to do it over time. So that at the end, God is glorified and they find great joy. Man, I want, to, I want that to be my story. I don't want to order my life so that I'm beautiful today. Good luck. I want to order my life so that I'm beautiful 30 years from now. Not everybody is going to be beautiful when they're 20. But we can all live a life that makes us beautiful at the end. And that's not a beauty that's fading even though our body will fade. It's a beauty that's lasting through eternity for the glory of God and for our joy and the joy of people around us. Let's determine to be a people who skillfully use time in order to push back darkness. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Doxa Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us today. At Doxa, we exist to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. We invite you to join us. Doxa Church meets at 10 a.m. every Sunday at River Oaks Elementary School. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org.